From Kurtco Media. There's no place like Hollywood. Welcome to another Stuck at Home special episode of Hollywood Unscripted. I'm Jenny Curtis, and today I'm virtually sitting down with showrunner, producer, and writer of some wildly beloved shows, such as Friday Night Lights, Roswell, and Parenthood. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome Jason Kadams. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks, Jenny. I actually want to start with Away, which is a show that you're executive producing and a writer on, and it is coming out on Netflix on September 4th. I'd love to hear more about the project, how it started. Sure. Well, I'm super excited about the show. It started when I read an article by Chris Jones for Esquire, an article that was called Away. And Chris Jones is a writer who's been writing about space for the last 20 years. And this article was really incredibly intriguing to me because of the point of view. It was like about what the experience was like being away from home, what that did to people. It was like, I don't really think of myself as like the space guy, the guy who does space shows, but I read this article and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And actually it was originally brought to me by a friend of mine who I worked with years ago, Matt Reeds. And Matt said, this is something you'd like to work on with me. And so we met with Chris Jones, got more excited about it. And that's how the project started. I mean, the thing that I find so wonderful about it is, to me, I felt like, oh, this could be a show about a marriage and about family and about nuanced human stories, which are all the kinds of shows I've always worked on, but against this incredibly exciting backdrop, this epic backdrop of space that felt different to me and challenging to me and something that I got very excited about trying to tell that story. The show, though, was created by Andrew Hinderaker, or how did he get involved? Did you bring him on? Yeah, so what happened was we optioned this story from Chris Jones, and then so Andrew Hinderaker had been working with me on a couple of shows, so he's this amazing playwright, and worked at first on the show that I did called Pure Genius, and then on The Path, which Jess Goldberg created. And Andrew took this article and found this incredibly personal way in, which is always like the most exciting way to really dig into a project. You know, he really told the story about how he had a long distance relationship with his longtime girlfriend who had some pretty serious medical issues. Mm. And that was what he was using to tell the story about Emma being away from her husband and her family at the time when her husband, Josh Charles's character, has a very serious medical issue. And once he sort of came up with that premise, we all got very excited because we felt like he was leaning into what the potential of the story is. And the other thing that he brought to this, which is something that we're all really excited about, is the international crew and the idea that while it's about this family, this long distance relationship, really the ultimate long distance relationship between Hillary's characters trying to stay connected to our family, it's also about this new family forming in space. And these people who all come from very different worlds, have different religions, different philosophies, different ways of seeing things, reasons to be at odds with each other at moments. And yet the idea of these disparate people coming together to work together and ultimately form this new family together is also incredibly poignant. So the show really just works on so many levels. It was by far the most challenging show from a producing point of view that I've ever been involved in. I mean, every show has some visual effects, like Parenthood had visual effects. Nobody would know it did, but it did. Yeah. But this show 
was a new level. And it took so much time in preparation to figure out how to make the show and how to make the show feel real and accurate. You know, it's not intended to be like sort of science fiction in that way, like in a Star Trek way. It's supposed to feel like what it would be like if NASA put up or when NASA does send a ship to Mars. Our production designer, David Sandifer, actually got renderings from NASA, which is what he based our spaceship on. So it was very challenging to make it this story that was speculative fiction, but to have it feel real and not like sci-fi. What would it be like going on this journey to try to do this thing that nobody's ever been able to do before? And a journey to Mars is not going to go easy. <laughs> There's no, a lot of drama. <laughs> it doesn't go easy, yeah. A lot of drama. One of the things that we'd always talked about was that the drama of what happens on Earth has to be as riveting as what happens in space. And that's the thing that I'm actually most proud of, of what Andrew and all of us did, and Jess Goldberg, who came on to showrun and partner with Andrew in doing the show. When you cut to those scenes on Earth, you're not just waiting until we get back to space. It's really the opposite. It's like those scenes are as emotional to watch what it's like, what it does to Josh's character, what it does to Talitha's character, who plays Hillary and Josh's 15-year-old daughter. Talitha's character, actually, when we were in the writer's room, was the character that I gravitated to most because I thought it's so wild that this is going to be about a three-year mission in success for Hillary's character by the time she sort of returns. And that's high school. That's all the high school for her. So the idea of her being away from her mother and watching what happens to her and watching her grow up was so intriguing to me. To me, like that was as exciting to me as the stuff that was happening in space. And I felt like the challenge was to make sure that as we made the show, that those scenes were as riveting and even more so watching them try to stay connected and watching those essentially Zoom calls before I knew what the hell Zoom was. <laughs> when we wrote them, essentially what they were, trying to stay connected first by those video chats and then eventually just with sound and then eventually just by emails and texts that are delayed for longer and longer the further they get away. All the stuff just felt very emotional and moving to me. It felt like we could do the show and have a take on it that feels different to me than other shows that I've seen that are about space. Because she's young, going back to Talitha's character, it feels like we can connect most to her because she really wears her processing on her sleeve. Yes. Do you find that because you've also done a lot of work with characters who are in their adolescence, is that something you gravitate towards always or is that specific stories? I gravitate toward those stories. For some reason, I always have. Maybe I've been stunted in my growth or something, (laughs) but I always have. The first show that I worked on was My So-Called Life. And Winnie Holtzman, who created that show, became a mentor to me. And I remember her describing adolescence as an emergency. Everything's always an emergency in adolescence. And I thought that was just a great way to think about it. And of course, that suggests trauma (laughs) when everything's an emergency. It's a great time to write about because so much change happens in short periods of time. You mentioned My So-Called Life, and Edward Zwick, who was also on My So-Called Life, was on this project as well. Yeah. Can you talk about the team that you kind of created from all walks of your life and how that kind of felt, bringing in so many connected people? Yeah. On this show, I've worked with more people that span my entire career in in doing this in, in a way that's never happened before. And I think in, in some way, it's because of the challenge of making the show. And coming to Ed, you know, Ed hired me 
on my so-called life. And then I did my, the first show that I created, Relativity with him, him and Marshall. And Ed literally found me. I was a playwright living in Brooklyn and he found me under a rock in Brooklyn. He <laughs> read one of my plays and called me. And out of nowhere, he literally gave me a chance to write on my so-called life. He introduced me to Matt Reeves, who's the person who I found this project with and started this project. There were so many other people who played key roles. David Boyd was our cinematographer who then became one of our great directors on Friday Night Lights. He was our cinematographer and producing director on the show. And I hadn't been able to work with him since Friday Night Lights. I hadn't been able to work with Ed since Relativity and My Solo Life. I hadn't been able to work with Matt Reeves since The Paul Bearer, which is a script we wrote together. And of course, then there's Andrew and Jess, who I've worked with on The Path and Pure Genius. So it was an amazing experience. It's sort of what it took to birth the show because it was just, you know, having Ed involved in this, he was the perfect director for it because he's done all these incredibly huge epic movies with this huge landscape, but he's done this intimate storytelling in television with 30-something and once and again in my so-called life. And our show required those two things with equal attention put on both the visual landscape and the grandness of it, but also the sort of tiny moments. So it was like a thrill to get to work with Ed again, particularly on this project that was a challenge to all of us. And it became this amazing collaborative effort to make the show. So many people had such huge parts of this. David Sanderfer, our production designer, who really came up with the sort of look for the spaceship and the moonscape where they launched from. It was very exciting and a bit overwhelming to take this on. And I'm really proud of the show. I mean, I did write an episode, which I'm really proud of. It was so much Andrew and Jess who sort of took this on and did the heavy lifting and deserve the credit for it. But I'm so proud when I watched the episodes that it's everything that we imagined and more. In a few weeks, I guess we'll see what everybody else thinks. <laughs> but you know, to me, I feel like it grips you emotionally, these character stories, and I'm excited for people to see it. A Moment of Your Time, a new podcast from Kurt Co. Media. Currently 21 years old, and today I felt like I'm magic read extended from her fingertips down to the you base of my spine. You have to take care spine. of yourself because the world needs you and Trust your Trust me, voice. every do-gooder that asked about me was ready to spit on my dream. Her fingers were facing me. You can feel like your purpose and your worth is really being it's questioned. going to stop me from playing the piano. She buys walkie-talkies. Wonders to whom she should give the second device. Cats don't love humans. We never did. We never will. We just find the ones that are... The beauty of rock climbing is that you can only focus on what's right in life. And so our American life begins. We may need to stay apart, but let's create together. Available on all podcast platforms. Submit your piece at kirkco.com slash a moment of your time. Talking about the team, just to go back really quick, was it an active choice where you said, I'm going to reach into my past for all of these people, or did it become kind of a reflex for you that suddenly you found yourself bringing in people from your past? No, it wasn't an active choice. It just happened that way. It started with Matt and I reading this article and getting very excited about it. And so in a way, it did get started with somebody who I had been wanting to work with since I first worked with them. And, you know, life happens and you go in different directions. So we've always stayed connected over the years through friends and helping each other on the projects that we have worked on. 
And so that was very exciting. And that sort of started it. But then in looking for a director, we were trying to find who is the person to direct this? Because of things that I said of having to have somebody who could sort of take on space. And also we felt like we'd get that this is really a show about the nuanced moments of characters. And, yeah. and so Ed was just the dream person to direct it. And it was very exciting in talking to him about it. Once he read the script and decided he wanted to do it, What's great about Ed is like once he is in, he's in. And it's just like he became as invested in directing this as he would be in anything that he had directed for features or I think anything that he's done. And it was really lovely to have that experience of working with him in that way and watch him take this on. And while I worked with him on my so-called life and got a little bit of a glimpse into his process as a director, this gave me much more of a window into that. He's a master and it was really great to be able to work with him. And it's like, you can sort of see when you watch the pilot episode, how much he took on to sort of create the aesthetic for the show and the look of the show and to get these wonderful performances from Hillary and the rest of the cast. Do you find that in this stage of your career, you're still learning from people in situations like that? Oh, it's no doubt. I mean, look, it's no doubt. Every time you take on a project, you're challenging yourself in a different way. Like everything has to be in some way, something that you feel like you're just starting when you do it. It's more exciting when you do a show and you get a little scared when you're doing it. And can I do this? Or is this going to be where they discover (laughs) that I'm I'm a fraud, you know? And this one more than others that I've taken on because it just was such an undertaking to do it. And you really just had to have such faith because it's also a visual effects show. I mean, so much of the stuff that happens in space, I mean, the spaceship was built, but all of the environments that were outside of that ship were visual effects. And of course, we were doing things like hanging people on wires and especially the bigger set piece sequences, especially like in the second episode, there's a huge spacewalk sequence. And when I watched the first cut and there was no visual effects in yet, And I was like, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have faith that this is going to be good. And those visual effects, our team was amazing, but it takes a long time. When you have a big sequence like that, it takes a long time for seeing what that exterior of the spaceship and the moonscape is going to look like. And it takes a long time so that the details are put in so that it actually feels real. It actually feels like the astronauts are walking on the moon. You know, it's not until the very end when you put together the sort of details and the visual effects along with the sound effects, you can actually suspend your disbelief. So that was something that so many people that do what I do have been doing that stuff for years. I just haven't done those types of shows. Mm -hmm. And so it was exciting for me to do it. And it was a total learning experience. And working with Ed, it was a learning experience. It was, even though I had worked with him before, it was a different context. And I got to, on one hand, collaborate with him in a way that I hadn't before. But on the other hand, I sort of got a sort of front row seat to watch him do what he does. The anti-gravity stuff wasn't just outside the ship, it was also inside. So does that mean you had the actors on wires for all of those scenes? Then when they'd like pop in, say something sassy and float out of the room? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there was a lot of wire work. The actors had to go through sort of pretty intense training to do that, way more intense than they imagined. You know, when we first sat down and met with Hillary about doing the part, we talked about the character and we talked about it. She was so excited about this show because... You know, it was her dream when she was an eight-year-old girl to be an astronaut. So she was all, all in from the beginning. 
And we sort of brought up, because it was important to bring up at the beginning, that there was going to be wire work, there was going to be training, there was, it was going to be intense. And she was like, oh, I'm all in, I'm ready. Like she, you know, that's such a big part of her life. And we were like, oh my God, that's, we're very excited that she was up for it. But even Hillary, who in her regular life has an insane fitness routine, even she was a little bit challenged and overwhelmed yeah. by just how much it took for her and for all of them to do that. But not only the work that they had to do while you were wired, but to act while you were doing it. And so that was a big undertaking. But we had such an amazing crew and we spent so long prepping for this stuff. I do think the actual process of doing it was less chaotic and overwhelming than it seemed as we were planning it. And that has a lot to do with the team, you know, Ed's work, preparation, David Boyd, again, our DP, that I've been trying to work with David since Friday Night Lights and finally like lured him here between Ed and Space. He, you know, I got him again. <laughs> but, you know, because on Friday Night Lights, he was a DP who was so fearless and embraced the way we wanted to shoot that show, more than embrace the way we wanted to shoot it, he helped create the way we shot that show. That was obviously a very different animal. I mean, yeah. it was a lot about shooting handheld and with no rehearsal and taking this sort of down and dirty approach. This is a very different thing, but he approached it in the same fearless way. And it was just everything that we said, can we do this? Yes, but we're on a TV budget and it's got to look like this. He's like, yes. You know, he sort of planned it out and we had so much going for us once we actually started shooting. You've said that the isolation aspect of the story has become obviously more poignant during the coronavirus times. Yeah. Are there parts of the show that you connect to now more than you did before? Yeah. The thing that was interesting is we shot the show and then there was that middle couple of weeks in March that were, I think, for all of us, these surreal moments where we went from thinking... We had a couple of months left of post and we were already finished shooting. We went from thinking, you know, we're a small group here, you know, we'll, we could finish up. And we went from that to literally in a 24 hour period realizing, no, everybody has to go home. They have to go home right now. And we just basically, without even knowing you know, how we were going to finish the show, we just sent everybody home. And then at this point, it was our editor, mostly our visual effects artists, post-production people, our mixers, all of those people. And of course, all of us are the sort of producers and directors who are still looking at cuts. And we just said we are going to just have to figure out a way to do this a little differently. And you sort of took out that sort of human connection aspect of it. And there was a lot of watching cuts on my computer at home, emailing notes or getting on Zoom and going back and forth with notes in that way. And suddenly, you know, I was watching cuts while this would happen and all the episodes resonated in this way that felt different than they did before because it felt like in a weird way working together on the show we were going through that sort of feeling of being away that is what the show is about and of course in a bigger way all of us were being separated from our friends and a lot of cases our family members and had to find new ways to try to stay connected and we're dealing with you know the effects of what it feels like when you're isolated and when you're not connected. And that's the theme of the show. It's a theme that, that resonated with us before this happened, but honestly just feels more moving to me, even more moving to me watching it now in this context. So the beautiful thing about the show is that it's so uplifting and it's aspirational. 
That's really the beautiful thing about it. So when you're watching it, it's not like, oh, this is what it's like to be in quarantine. It's not that experience. I mean, the experience is one of a feeling of being connected. It's a feeling of, you know, coming together and doing something for the greater good and testing the limits of what we can do as human beings. So it's, it's got very high aspirations in that way. But it does feel when you watch some of these scenes of people being separated, you connect sometimes in just a visceral way and sometimes in a literal way. I mean, you know, when you see in the first episode, Hillary trying to talk to her husband who's in the hospital and she can't be with him in the hospital. Well, that's a very literal connection that we can all relate to now having lived through this for over the last period of months. And so it definitely feels like the show has become something that I feel even more connected to than before this happened. The mission in the show is set to be three years long. Is that the plan for the show or do you have an idea of the arc of what the ideal length would be? We have sort of ideas about it. We've talked about it both among Jess and Andrew and I and the writers. We've talked about it to Netflix. We sort of think that the length of this mission does suggest what the length of the show might be. Yeah. But we don't have any definite answer to it other than we definitely want to proceed. Hopefully not would beyond season one. We feel like there's a good story to tell over several seasons. You know, the great thing that's changed in television since I started doing television It used to be like the goal was to do a show that was going to last 100 episodes. That was the only goal in shows in terms of just what the network wanted. That was what their business model was built on. And now with Netflix and Apple and Amazon and Hulu and streamers having such a prominent role in in television, that's changed. And the good thing that's come out of that is that what really is happening now is people are saying the show should be how long the show should be. You know what I mean? And that's a great thing. That's one of the reasons I think that television has continued to get better because it's not like doing episodes for the sake of getting to a certain threshold where you can sell your show to syndication. That world is more or less a thing of the past. Now it's about what's competitive. It's like, how do you make your show feel singular and important in the huge crowd of television shows out there? Compel people to watch it, right? And so one of the ways to do that is to have the show not drag on, not slow down, and to actually tell the story that's the right amount of episodes for that particular story. Hi, I'm Robert Ross, host of Cars That Matter. You might be wondering what makes a car matter, and I have a feeling you already know the answer. Some cars have changed history. Some you can hear a mile away. Some have lines that make your heart skip a beat. If a car has ever made you look twice, then I think you know the ones that matter. Join me as I speak with designers, collectors, and market experts about the passions that drive us and the passions we drive. Cars That Matter, wherever you get your podcasts. You recently got the green light for a personal project that you are creating. I don't want to get this wrong, but was it Amazon? Yes. Okay. So Amazon gave you the green light for creating a project called On the Spectrum, and I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. It's based on an Israeli format called On the Spectrum, which is an absolutely beautiful show. It's a wonderful show. And it's about three young adults who are all on the autistic spectrum who are roommates together in an apartment. There is a sort of life coach who works for them. It's sort of a coming-of-age story, 
about three 20-somethings trying to figure out all the stuff that you would imagine they would be figuring out about friendship and love and jobs and all of that stuff with the added complication that they all have autism. And it's been a wonderful show to work on. We cast all three leads have autism. We shot the pilot and it was just a wonderful experience working with them. There's just something about the show that's been very, very special and the room has been fantastic. And the only thing to hope now is that at some point we'll be able to shoot them. (laughs) Finding the leads for it was the first time they met in like a chemistry read or how did you find them? How did you make sure they would get along and what was the process in casting the show? Once Amazon gave us the go-ahead to make the pilot, I said, I'd love to see whether we can cast these um, characters authentically. And they were very excited about the idea that, you know, I didn't know what the talent pool was going to be out there, honestly. So I called Cami Patton, who's a a casting director I've worked with many times. And I know she has a child with challenges. I knew this idea would be really exciting to her. So I called her and she basically said, great. And she did both all the traditional things of just sending out a breakdown to agencies, but she also scoured the country and just started calling acting programs that she could find that had neurodiverse actors in them and schools and just anybody that she can think of. And she called me like, I think a week or two after she started doing this. And she said, I've just had the best two weeks because... This community has been so amazing because it's like she'll try to reach somebody and they would say, well, you know, I don't know anybody, but you know what, you should call so-and-so and and all this. And it became this like grassroots thing. And we wound up casting three actors who are all on the spectrum. They're all wonderful, very different than the characters that they play, but still having their deep connections to the characters that they're playing. And um, that part of it has just been this very exciting part of the process to work with them. And when we were shooting the pilot, we were like trying to make sure that we could accommodate in any ways that we would want to accommodate. And some things were really important, like trying to keep the set quieter. And we were sort of thinking ahead, like, would this be challenging? And it was like so smooth. And these actors were such pros. A lot of crew members would come up to me and say, oh, you know, I have a brother who has autism or a child or my friend's kid, or you just find that there's so much goodwill on the show who felt this kind of connection to it. And one of the things I love about writing about these characters is they have no filter. So they say what's on their mind. And that just generally is funny. It's also very emotional. We're not shying away from the hard things that they're going through. You know, I have a son who's on the spectrum. And, you know, I first started writing about this on Parenthood with the character of Max. And, you know, I remember... When we first started doing that, you know, I was talking to the network about the idea of making a character with Asperger's on the show. And at the time, there weren't really any, especially on network, a character with autism where they said they had autism. And it was really important for me that if we were going to tell the story that we were out there with this is what it is. And I remember, you know, one of the things they said was, this is something that you could tell lots of stories about. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of stuff. Don't worry, we're not going to run out after episode seven. In a way, it's this beautiful thing for me to do this show because everybody's doing these new versions of 90210, new versions of these shows. So people would say, like, would you do another Parenthood? And when I would think about that, what I kept thinking about was Max, that character. And I was thinking, oh, I would kind of like to see what it would be like to see Max as a young man. And so in a weird way, that, you know, I'm doing that in the show. The reason why this came up for me and why I wanted to do the show 
was, you know, my son is now 23. At the time when I started doing this, he was probably 21, I guess. And so I was kind of like starting to think about, well, what's the next chapter of his life? What will it be like? And I remember I did a PSA a few years ago, and I found out there was this statistic that 85% of people with autism who have a college degree are unemployed. And I was like, well, that's not right. There are people who are obviously very capable who are not being put in position to like contribute to the world in a way that they should. And that's a story that needs to change. So I'm very excited to be sort of telling this story because I think that's a story we sort of see less of. I think a lot of times when we hear autism, we think of children with autism and those children grow up. And my son was part of a early wave of when a lot of people started getting diagnosed with this. And that's only gotten more prevalent since then. So a lot of those people are sort of coming of age now. So I think it's a timely story to tell. When you added the storyline to parenthood, I read somewhere that you originally were really nervous about it because you weren't sure if that was too personal. Did that change how you feel now? Or is the importance of telling the story overshadowing the fear of being too personal? Yeah, the idea of putting this story out there in the world overshadows my fear of loss of privacy over it. There's the Israeli show that it's based on, you know, so this is not a show that's based on my son. Not that parenthood was based on my son. I matched with his own character. But still, this is even more so. I'm basing these characters on the original characters. Obviously, I'm going to draw from my own experiences, as you always do as a writer. But I'm sort of not concerned about that privacy thing, because this is from a format of characters that were created not by me, their original form. The other thing is, I'm so excited about the show that not only did we cast three characters on the spectrum to be the leads, but that those three actors are willing to be open about that and are embracing it. And I feel like this is the next stage that we need to get to with autism. I remember reading about Hannah Gatsby and how she sort of came out and talked about after she did that incredible piece that wound up going on HBO, I think. I think it was on Netflix, yeah. On Netflix. But after she did that piece, I was so blown away by it. And afterwards, she came out and saying, I've been diagnosed with autism. And she started talking about it. And I was like, this is amazing that she's doing this. And it struck me as this is a very important thing right now to see a character on the spectrum wanting to date or being on a job. In the pilot, there's a scene where Jack is in a meeting with his boss and a bunch of team members. And he sort of inadvertently says to his boss, you know, you have inferior intelligence. And it's like, you don't really say that to a boss. But it's like, this is what he says. But I think what's interesting is that, you know, not that I want to promote people being mean to their bosses, but I do want to promote the idea that there are people who have these sort of quirks to their personalities who have a tremendous amount to offer the world. And I think if we can get back past those quirks a little bit, we can see what they have to offer. We can see what they have to bring to the table, not just in work, but in relationships and friendships and all these many, many things. You know, I feel excited in that way to be telling the story, demystifying it, and just showing people who are on the autistic spectrum who have jobs and relationships and friendships. So a lot of your work comes from some kind of source material, as this came from an Israeli show, Away came from an article. What is it about a piece of source material that sparks for you, that makes you say, this is what I want to create something about? You know, it's a, it's a weird combination. Well, first of all, the reason why I would do anything is because I have a deeply personal connection to it, you know? And my job, if I don't have a personal connection to it, is to find that personal connection. 
when they first sort of brought up the idea of having me do Friday Night Lights, I was like, this is not a show for me because I'm a baseball guy. I'm not a football guy. You know, <laughs> I had never been to Texas. And it's like the idea of small town life. It's just, this was not me. I grew up in New York City and I was a baseball fan. And so I was like, no, no, no. Why would I do this show? And then I started to see the source material. I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. And this could be like an amazing show. And so you start to find ways to envelop yourself inside this world and these characters and find your way in. I remember when I was brought on to be the showrunner of the show, you know, I had to do press for the show and I hadn't yet done anything for the show yet. And I'd never been in that experience before. So there's all this pressure on me. And at a certain point, one of the executives from the studio took me aside and for whatever reason, they were concerned in some way that I was going to be able to do this. And they were like, Jason, you know, are you going to be able to do this? You have to do this. It's like, you have to be able to take this on. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like coach. I'm just like coach coming to Dillon, Texas, taking over this shitty team and people expecting to bring home a championship. You know what I mean? It was like the greatest gift that was ever given to me because I was like, this is how I relate to the show. And of course, the thing about Friday Night Lights was it wasn't about football. It was about family. It was about a marriage. It was about surrogate parenting. It was about coming of age. It was about trying to live a better life than your parents live and your parents wanting that for you. And it was about all the things that were just about life. And then I had people to help me talk football. And then Ruda love football. Go figure, you know? And so you sort of try to find ways in. In Parenthood, I decided I wanted to do an adaptation of Parenthood, which was a movie that I really had loved. And at the time that I was going to do it, it had been 20 years since the movie came out. And I went to Ron Howard and Brian Grazer and pitched them my take on it. And I was very worried about going to Ron Howard and saying, like, I'm going to do your movie, but I'm going to change it, you know? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the pitch, Ron, you know, was so nice. He's just the nicest guy in the world, you know? And the end, he was very encouraging to me. And he said, Jason, I just want to tell you the things that I liked most about what you just said to me were the things that were completely different than what was in the movie. You know, I did the movie. I'm happy with the movie. I don't need to see that movie again. What you need to do is bring yourself to this. And that is the kind of wisdom that you get from Ron Howard. And I think that is what adaptation really is all about. It's about whatever the story is that you're telling, whether you relate to it from the beginning or whether you have to find your way in, sort of like in Friday Night Lights for me. No matter what that source material is, it's about making it sort of deeply personal to you and and making it your story. I mean, that's critical. So yesterday, I was having kind of a crummy day. I was in a terrible mood. And I decided last night that I was going to put on Friday Night Lights and just rewatch a few episodes because <laughs> we were going to talk and why not? And I love the show. I get to the first moment of clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. And it's just like everything melts away. What does it mean to you to have a, a career where you are literally changing people's days with the work that you're creating? You know, I, that's really, thank you so much for saying that. It's really humbling for you to say that. Of course, I don't experience my life that way. I experience my life as a writer, like every writer, and we're all just like wrecks trying to crack stories and trying to work. We all feel like hacks and moves, you know, to some degree, you know, and, and, and frauds. And, um, but I appreciate that. Obviously, like Friday Night Lights is a show that connected, and it certainly I, connected with me. Like, I'd be in the editing room watching cuts, and I'd start like crying in the editing room 
And all the others would be like, oh my God, you just like are crying in a line of your throat. <laughs> you're such a jerk. But like, I couldn't help it. I said, and then of course I tried to suppress my crying because it was embarrassing to cry in front of the editor. And then all these weird sounds started to come out of me. Like, you know, these kind of like terrible sounds where I, you know, that, that were like really embarrassing. And so um, and I think the greatest compliment is when people say that those characters become part of their family. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And really actually, the greatest compliment that I've gotten, and I've gotten it a bunch of times, is when people say they watch it together as a family. And I've gotten that a lot with Friday Night Lights and a lot with Parenthood. And that, I don't know, for, there's something about that that means so much to me. The idea of a family sitting together and watching and having that be something that they do together. I mean, how can you not be touched by that? Jason, I could talk to you all day, but we're unfortunately out of time. So I guess my last question, I want to bring it back to a way. What do you hope people get from the show as they start to watch it? You know, we were just sort of talking about how some of the shows that I've worked on, people have gotten emotionally connected to the show and its characters. And that's what I'm hoping for the show. God, I, I love the space stuff and I love the look of that. And I think that's so amazing. But the thing that I really love about the show is the relationships, the characters, the family that Hillary is trying to stay connected to on Earth, and the family that's formed between these astronauts in this tin can that they're stuck in together for a really long time. <laughs> and so I'm hoping that people feel that kind of connection to the show. Having watched these episodes many times now, and no matter how many times I've watched them, I do feel that connection. I'm hopeful that they will feel that. The show is available on Netflix on September 4th. Jason Kadams, thank you so much for joining Thanks, me. Thanks, It's great talking to you. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye. Hollywood Unscripted was created by Kurt Co. Media. This special episode of the Stuck at Home series was hosted and produced by me, Jenny Curtis. With guest, Jason Kadams. Co-produced and edited by Jay Whiting. The executive producer of Hollywood Unscripted is Stuart Halperin. The Hollywood Unscripted theme song is by Celeste and Eric Dick. Please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any special episodes of Hollywood Unscripted Stuck at Home. Stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening. Kurt Co. Media. Media for your mind. <laughs>